Who could refrain that had a heart to love and in that heart courage to make love known? Welcome back to Play On, the official podcast of the Utah Shakespeare Festival. I'm Emily Reed. And I'm Cheyenne Gray. You just heard festival actor Tim Seiler with a quote from Macbeth. And it just so happens that Tim is playing Macbeth in our Shakespeare in the Schools educational tour this season. We'll be talking to Tim and his fellow cast member, Stephanie Resnick, who plays Lady Macbeth, in today's episode about the tour. But before we meet with our guests, we got a great voicemail from our listener, Linda, who shared her Utah Shakespeare Festival love story. And it's truly an incredible one. Just listen. Hello, this is Linda Lowe. I would like to congratulate you on your podcast. And I am calling to tell you a brief beginning of my love story. I have been a longtime promoter and enthusiast of Shakespeare and the Utah Shakespeare Festival. The first time I ever saw a Shakespeare play was in 1961, the very year that the Utah Shakespeare Festival began. It was Taming of the Shrew, and I was invited on a date to see it by a handsome young man that had beautiful hair and combed his hair like Elvis. Anyway, we went to the play, and I don't think he knew anything about Shakespeare, and I didn't either. I had only um, read one play in an English class, and it was less than memorable. So at this evening at the Utah Shakespeare Festival, Taming of the Shrew, my date was very enthralled with Act 4, Scene 5, where Petruchio is having a dialogue with Catherine about the moon and the stars. My date's thinking this is very fascinating, trying to get the woman to believe anything that he says. And so Kate is so tired, of course, that she wants to go on with the journey. So she is just going to agree with him. And so um, anyway, she changes her changes her, her mind, says whatever he wants to say. And then when, when she agrees with him, then he, of course, says, I say it's the moon, and then she says, I know it's the moon, and then he says, well, you're a liar, and it is the blessed sun. And so anyway, that dialogue sparked a very interesting conversation. I later ended up marrying this man, and I have been married to him for over 50 years. It has been a interesting uh, exciting, passionate thing like Petruchio and Catherine in Taming of the Shrew. He thinks that um, he is the master of the house. Everybody that knows me knows he will never tame me. And it has made it exciting, passionate relationship for all of these years. Oh, I love that story so much. Up next, we'll talk to our Shakespeare in the Schools tour actors, Stephanie Resnick and Tim Seiler. They're wrapping up the tour soon, but we got a chance to talk to them in the studio earlier this year before they left Cedar City. We in the education department have been getting some great feedback about the tour. One school wrote in and told us this. We are located in a very remote area, two hours from a college with performing arts, 
and yet this high quality performing group brought a very professional performance to us. We had 200 scholars attend and on their own, no more than five would have ever had the opportunity to enjoy a performance of this quality. talking to Tim Seiler and Stephanie Resnick, who are two of the actors in our Shakespeare in the Schools touring production of Macbeth, which hits the road this week. So we are going to be talking to them about the tour life and also about uh, Macbeth and Lady Macbeth, who I think are the relationship goals of Shakespeare. So thank you so much, Tim and Stephanie, for being here. Thank you. Thank you. So to get started, I just want to talk a little bit about the experience of touring. Tim, this is your first tour with Shakespeare in the Schools? Yeah, with USF. I have toured uh, for a couple years with the American Shakespeare Center, um, and it's very similar to this. And in fact, Cordell Cole, who plays Macduff and others in this production, uh, we spent a whole year doing a bunch of plays all over the country. And so while this is new territory, it's very familiar. Oh, awesome. Yeah. And Stephanie, you are a tour veteran here. Yeah, this is my third tour. Um, most people don't like can't believe that I've done it a second time, nonetheless the third time. <laughs> uh, but I do I do love this tour. I think it's so special. We get to go to these really great communities, um, a lot of whom don't get access to a lot of theater. Um, and so it's always been a really powerful experience for me. And this time around, hearing uh, what play was being done and that Michael Barr was directing, I had to throw my hat in the ring. So I'm really glad uh, to be doing it again for the third time. (laughs) So talk a little bit about the rehearsal Um, process process for this tour. uh, It is definitely abbreviated. abbreviated. You guys just started Um, January 1st with rehearsals. Yeah, the second. (laughs) Tell us about what what that's like. (laughs) The first rehearsal was... We, we saw a look, a glimpse of the, the different scenery, or the set was built already. You right. know, we, we had such a, like, everything was planned ahead of time, which is typical for the theater, but to have it already done was amazing. Yeah. Um, the, the light fixtures were all up, and uh, Casey, was, who's our technical director, is that, what's her mm-hmm. title? Yeah, knew all kinds of stuff, and so she was, like, playing with the different colors and things, and so we, we got to see kind of a little bit, a glimpse of the finished product from day one. Um, and Stephen had his sketches, and I. This next day, I was in fittings for things. Um, yeah. And uh, typically, a lot of normal air quotes uh, processes. You've got you have extensive table work, and we had you know ninety minutes, and then we were on our feet. It's <laughs> so true. Yeah, show. you're absolutely right. <laughs> it was sort of just a, a gradual introducing all of the technical elements and playing with all of the lights, which is a big part of this production. Um, a lot of them are, you know, programmed, but then we're also using flashlights and creating shadow puppetry and all of that. So a lot of, a lot of time was devoted to sort of figuring out the large scale and sort of minimal spectacle that happens in the show, in addition to the scenes yeah. <laughs> and everything. But then other, other, you know, we had a single rehearsal where we were tracking um, who sort of helps with what props backstage and costume pieces. So there's a, there's a lot of tiny little details that um, I think we're finally starting to feel a little bit more comfortable with because it's a really chaotic show. There's only six of us. Right, six actors and then a stage and company manager and a technical director. Yeah, Yeah, so with with eight. Yeah, I I feel like it was such a... An abbreviated process, and from day one, I mean, Tim is a constant in the play. He is always Macbeth, 
but the rest of us are running around backstage with like chickens with our heads cut off, <laughs> trying to get into a different costume and get back on stage um, as another character. So I think from day one, it was kind of like, let's figure out how this is gonna happen. Maybe we need some music here, maybe. So a lot of it in the beginning was just figuring out the technicalities of how we were gonna tell this 75 minute uh, story of Macbeth while still telling the full story with these six people. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I saw the um, performance on Wednesday morning um, and, you know, I knew the, the concept and, and what was happening, but I, my mind was still kind of blown um, during curtain call just seeing six people up there. <laughs> it feels like a full stage at all times and yeah. just the action is nonstop. So um, for everything to stop and have six people standing in front of you and realize, wow, that was... That's all that was. That was pretty incredible. Yeah. (laughs) There were a group of elementary students who walked out of that performance going, How did they kill so many people? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's incredible. Um, So, this production is aimed at uh, schools and Mm -hmm. um, young people. How does that inform? your process um, of, of telling this abbreviated story of um, of Macbeth, which is a <laughs> dark, a bloody play, for um, a, an audience of third graders and up. I think a lot of it um, comes from the design and Michael uh, being head of education and also directing, he has a really good idea of what the best things we can do to engage these students. So there's a bunch of audience interaction Uh, He has uh, both of us addressing the audience a lot with our speeches, uh, really using them as partners to talk to. Uh, There's a moment where we pull an audience member onto uh, the stage and invite them into our banquet and dance with them. Um, As a porter, I talk to the audience uh, and shine a flashlight on them. So he he was thinking of ways to really engage, um, even with with the choice of of music, having some uh, rock and roll, some ACDC, Um, having a live viola on stage. I think a lot of those um, elements uh, are how we're tailoring it to these students just to engage them. But really, I don't know about you, Tim, but for me, like from the acting perspective, nothing has really changed. I think we're really trying to still tell that story uh, the best we can and in no way trying to dumb it down or make it simpler. Totally. I can't believe how much we're leaning into this play. And I'm glad, you know, I get, because I didn't really treat it any differently than I would for any other play that I work on. Um, And it was very clear that with all of those things that Stephanie just mentioned, which I think are great for anybody, but especially for kids who might be walking in with thinking that this is like, vegetables that you need to eat because it's good for you and that you know and I I love pumpkin pants and Elizabethan dress don't get me wrong and I I think that can be really fun but it's you know we're in skinny jeans and converse but then like this is such a violent production oh my god it's just very visceral and physical and it does not pull punches and I'm so glad that that's how we're doing it I you know, we're. I think we're really embracing the spirit of how this play was sort of thought of when it was being written, and um, it has. It just. It's the blood and guts and yeah. <laughs> everything else. I mean, we we we'll ha- we have a little bit of blood and then some other suggestions, but like all of the sword fighting that uh, Chris Duvall uh, choreographed is amazing and just gory. <laughs> it yeah. just makes you kind of. Uh, uh, hold your breath a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that definitely awesome. got like lots of 
shocked and sometimes delighted reactions from yeah. the students. So <laughs> a couple of I think they were third graders started clapping during one of the murder scenes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yesterday they were cheering when they thought Macbeth was about to die, but there was still, you know, another... Then I ripped the sword out of my <laughs> yeah. guts and pummel him, and yeah. And there was, it was great to just hear them like, oh, ah, no, ah. Yeah. <laughs> so you had about 20 days between when you got to Cedar City and your first show, your first real show of the tour, and you've had, what, four or five shows now? Um, how's it going? How do you feel about it? Are you excited um, that it started? Are you excited to get on the road? Yeah, I'm excited. I think every single time we do it, we get a little bit more efficient with all the, the madness that's going on backstage, which allows us to be a lot more present and focused while we're on stage. So I think every single show feels um, just that much better. And I love the fact that we get to take this show to so many different spaces and adjust to the size of the room, uh, which will change constantly. Um, and I'm curious, Stephanie, since you've done yeah. three tours with us, but also Tim with your past touring experience, um, what are some of the um, interesting or unusual places that you've uh, toured? Uh, <laughs> the Grand Canyon, which is one of my favorite places to perform because everyone who works in the park will come see it. Um, and they're so thankful because a lot of them can't leave the park to go see a show. Um, so that, they're such a wonderful audience, um, and it's really great to so see. So you actually perform in the park? Yes, yes. We perform in this uh, really odd, you're going to love this, Tim. This space, <laughs> this space is like, I think, kind of like a general worship space normally. So it's carpeted, it's split level, it's, I don't know what our, our set's going to have to change while we're there. Um, I don't know how we'll do a lot of the things, but it's really fun because we get to kind of be like, all right, well, there's a set of stairs in the middle of our stage. <laughs> How do we do this sword fight here? You know, so it'll be a really fun uh, thing to adapt to. Um, I also love going to some of like these huge venues, like we'll be at the Chandler Art Center um, outside of Phoenix. And that's a huge, beautiful space that will be packed. I mean, they sell out there. Um, and then to uh, smaller correctional facilities being just in a gymnasium where we get to really um, be intimate and talk to these kids and we get to see their faces and um, really feel like we're communicating with them. So we get kind of a, a wide variety. I've played at boarding schools, libraries, art galleries, uh, chapels, giant proscenium touring houses I mean everything in between everything that Stephanie was sort of saying and so it and it keeps you I love there's like that added oh it's always going to be fresh no matter mm -hmm. what because that can be a trap and that mm -hmm. can get that can be a tough sort of hurdle um, as an actor to with a long run mm -hmm. um, but does anyone it, know off the top of your head how many shows you'll be doing it's over the next past 70 <laughs> I guess yeah. <laughs> and I heard someone said an estimate of over 25,000 people mm -hmm. we'll see in three months, yeah. which is wild. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely over 70. I would have a better number for you, but they keep adding shows. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool, though. I, I just, I love the idea of, um, you know, communities that might not even have a formal theater space still being able to have a, a high-quality Shakespeare production and, and get that experience. So that's awesome. And it's also really cool. Michael mentioned something at the performance uh, at the Youth Center earlier this week that he wants, he wants the school to be able to watch it and say, I can do this. And I think you mentioned it, too, in the talk back, Tim. Um, 
how does that feel knowing that you're showing these kids what they could probably do in just a couple of months? It's such an honor. And we've got we've got a lot of stuff with us. It's an odd production in a wonderful way of that. There's like a lot of tech spectacle involved, but I think they also see how minimal it can be, which is, I think, a wonder, wonderfully strange blend of, oh, yeah, I just need, I can put a hat on and be a different character. Or, like, you know, and I just, cause like, do do these plays. At least just read them out loud in a room with your friends, at, at the very least. And, but you can do them. You don't have to buy rights to do Shakespeare, right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, and, and if you like that, there's a lot of, other plays like that that Shakespeare wrote or his contemporaries that you can sink your teeth into. Um, it's it's for everybody. You just have to commit to being willing to give yourself over to it. And I, I will sort of share that with anyone that I can. Yeah. Let's talk about <laughs> tour. Let's get to the nitty gritty. Um, how many vehicles are you taking? Who is fitting in those vehicles? <laughs> how are you going to handle living with each other for, is it three months? Yeah, it's from now until April 20th. 20th? Yeah, Easter, right before Easter, I think. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, well, we have our big old box truck that has our set and our lighting instruments and our costumes. Um, And then we'll be taking two cars uh, that just, they're smaller cars, like a Camry and an Elantra. Um, And we'll do three in each car and then two in the truck. and I still don't know where our suitcases are going to go. They'll <laughs> fit. They'll fit them. Yeah. <laughs> Somewhere. Um, what, um, in your experience, is the, the touring like in terms of spending a long amount of time with the same small group of people and um, doing the same show over and over and in different places? Um, how is that different from your typical theater experience? Typical is, well, it depends. Um, <laughs> There, you know, I, I suppose at a typical, another air quotes thing, theater, where when you're done with the show, uh, you probably aren't going back to the same group of people yeah. <laughs> at, at night. Um, and then, you know, some, you know, I've done a lot of student matinees, but here we'll be setting up the set and then doing the show more often than not, I think. Yeah, and then teaching workshops. And so there's just a lot of time together. And so there's like a little bit of a forced friendship that's that has to happen right away. Um, and and which can be really wonderful. And that's, that's part of the nature of theater and a lot of casts anyway, which is something that I love. And then um, in my other touring experience, you know, it's a lot of work for a lot of hours and then there's a lot of downtime and that I love that I mean I I need to recharge and you know wander off to a coffee shop or just put on my headphones which is nice and then but then you get the little text of like oh you should check out this place and you know and then we was like we all end up eating together anyway you know and it's really fun um and I just love exploring places that I've never been before and this is this is pretty new territory this part of the country and Mm -hmm. so I'm so excited about that um so it's a lot of um when it when there's work involved it's work and then when there's play and rest there's also that too and there's really not much in between (laughs) in my experience it's true but it's true it is it's a forced it's not even a forced friendship it's like a forced family like we've already become like this little like family unit and there's the there's the mom of the group 
uh, who's Austin, who is our, our <laughs> manager, who hosts little gatherings and feeds us. And there's the, you know, the little brother and the little sister. Like, we've kind of just yeah. formed this little family. We do uh, have a weekly tradition. I don't know if I should put this on record, but we all get together and watch The Bachelor. <laughs> and it has become, like, this really fun way for us to get together and have fun and kind of not talk about work. We're just <laughs> watching uh, this really silly reality love fest <laughs> together. And each of our road cases are named after a Bachelor contestant. <laughs> <laughs> Never been done before. Some of them are already off the show, I think. But, maybe, but most of them have, are still there, so yeah. fingers crossed. Yeah. So it'll really be finding out like which piece of equipment makes it makes to it the end. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, there goes Cassie. Oh, my God, oh, say that. R.I.P. Cassie. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Speaking of love, we would just love to hear... Um, your perspective of the relationship between your characters, um, Macbeth and Lady Macbeth, um, not typically thought of as uh, a purely romantic couple. Um, there's a lot going on there. Um, but we just like to hear a little bit more about uh, your experience playing those characters, um, the relationship that you've developed. And I don't know. <laughs> I, I think that this relationship, you know, some people have said, like Harold Bloom has said that they're the the strongest couple in all of Shakespeare. Um, and I do think they're d definitely a rare couple uh, to be written about during that time because they do consider themselves equals to each other. Um, there's, when he, when uh, Macbeth writes Lady Macbeth this letter, he calls her my dearest partner of greatness. This is partner. Um, and it seems like they really do uh, rely on each other. And I like to think that this this kind of uh, pushing that Lady Macbeth does to, to push her husband to be king is comes from a place of love and seeing this um, potential in him and that he deserves this. Um, you know, I, it's obviously, uh, you know, doesn't seem like the most uh, loving thing that you can do for someone, but the way that I can understand her is that she is doing this out of, out of love for him. And he's doing everything for her. He's going to hell for her. Yeah. <laughs> and um, that I heard some other actors talk about this relationship um, and that, you know, being, I don't know if it's like, it's not explicitly in that text, but that whatever grieving that they're doing with this yeah. baby, um, that this being the king and the queen is going to fill some void, yes, um, at, or make things better. And no matter, and and it's very clear in the text to me, anyway, is that whenever he's having doubts, those doubts wash away the minute she walks in. Now he he doesn't, and he chooses not to say things to her, which is something Michael asked me right away. He's like, why don't you share this with her? And then it becomes sort of clear or something that we agreed on is that oh Macbeth knows that Lady Macbeth can't handle the path that he's gone down that and 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 Stephanie's doing this wonderfully kind of as much as there's a lot of power and command and authority there's also this like wonderful sort of trepidation and like 
trying things out of, you know, summoning the spirits and everything. Like, this is new new territory, which is a really interesting take. Um, and it's like, oh, I don't want to give you these daggers, but go ahead and take them. Like, I'll, I'll try, but even... And then you get them, and you're freaking out, too. And it's just like, uh, he's trying to protect her, which is... It, it doesn't go well, <laughs> but but they're yeah I love they're they're partners they're they're equals in an unequal world definitely because it's a it's yes. definitely a patriarchal world mm-hmm. but they're definitely um, on the same plane together which is wonderful and you don't get a lot of like there there, there is some they they talk about each other and and off state or when when the other one's not there but it's not like this constant gushing that a lot of young lover comedies have in Shakespeare. There's like a maturity that it kind of doesn't need to be spoken. It's already there, Mm -hmm. Um, which I think is so fascinating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I love how Lady Macbeth talks about how he's actually really sensitive and that she doesn't think that, and and I love it, I'm just gonna say, (laughs) steal what you said, but Tim has said that uh, Macbeth's a poet, and I love that. And I do, I know he's supposed to be this great warrior, but he speaks these beautiful words, and he does have the milk of human kindness, and and it really um, is something that I think she also admires in him. But is like, all right, well, I think he just needs a little <laughs> push in the yeah. right direction. <laughs> but I love that you mentioned too about about the loss, and I think it's it's interesting because it's you have to really pay attention to to hear that in the play about this baby that. I mean, I believe they have just lost because uh, Lady Macbeth talks about her breast still having uh, breast milk in them. You know, take my milk for gall. And so in my mind, the most immediate thing is that they have just lost this child and he has been away at war and he has come home with this great news and this becomes kind of like the next, like this is what we need to do, this is what we need to do to pull us out from this like this is what we need need to do to focus on to save our our marriage. Yeah, that's so. definitely interesting. And you see, I think you see a lot in drama that kind of loss driving a wedge between a couple. Um, so it's a very interesting perspective for for that to be the thing that binds them together mm-hmm. and, and yeah. keeps them, you know, as this this team working for this goal. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel this like sense of desperation at the beginning when I'm reading that letter. Like, oh my gosh, like we we need this. Yeah. And then, yeah, the kingdom can be our children, our family. I mean, it, there's a sense yeah. of that. Yeah. And, I, you know, I was, another thing is, like, uh, I was talking with Michael, and I, maybe you were in the room, is, like, I think we're afraid to even try to have another kid. Yeah. That there's this, like, we don't, we could lose that one, too. Yeah. And we don't even want to, like, go there. Right. Um, which is really sad. And it's not, like, I don't think we're, like, playing that, like that's it's not super apparent in this play mm-hmm. in this production um but i think you have to definitely ask those questions or you know and we may you know whatever story you're filling in at least the three you know stephanie me and michael are on the same page as sort of what what's sort of underneath that and what story mm-hmm. we're trying to tell um which is fun that's uh, you know yeah. the juicy stuff about it yeah so are macbeth and lady macbeth relationship goals yeah. yeah. I, mean, I think before this play, it's like, uh, it's, it's uh, Kristen Bell and Dax Shepard. <laughs> you know? Dax Shepard and yeah, Bell. Yeah. Oh, wow. That was um, an interesting Before casting. the play started. No, because they have, they have, like, a very sort of public marriage mm-hmm. um, that is 
not without its problem, or they don't shy away from sort of saying that they have problems, but they're really, I think, pretty well adjusted, or they don't hide behind sort of whatever stigma is about um, the perfect sort of Instagram couple, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. and um, I think it's just sort of real, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. you know? And I bet they host great parties, too. Yeah, I, <laughs> yes, I really do. I think people people love them as a couple. And, like, they're always like, yeah, let's go to Inverness. Let's go to, <laughs> let's go to the castle. Because Lady Macbeth and Mr. Macbeth, they know how to get down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so other than the Macbeths, Macbeth aside, and I know it's really easy to fall into, the, like, this is the play I'm doing now, so this is my favorite. What are your favorite <laughs> duos? It doesn't have to be a couple, but duos in Shakespeare. I mean, Benedict, Benedict and Beatrice, Beatrice are uh, great. Yeah. Um, I'm a hero and Claudio fan. Oh, really? Yeah. I've played Claudio, and um, yeah, I will. I will champion that. It's it's tricky, but. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Um, Cassius and Brutus are another um, yeah. fascinating sort of duo. I love Celia and Rosalind. Oh yeah. I just think I love their friendship, and I love yeah. There's more, I'm sure, but of course. (laughs) How has um, Shakespeare affected your life and relationships, Um, whether that's friendships or love, or what has has Shakespeare been a part of any any of those paths or journeys for you? I mean, some of my best (laughs) friends I've done Shakespeare with, and it was because of Shakespeare that we're friends. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I mean, I meant like uh, I did. I played Cassius next to one of my great friends, Josh Innerst, who's worked here and has toured. And we were Brutus and Cassius, and then also Jack and Algie in The Importance of Being Earnest on the same tour, actually. And then Cordell was on that tour, too. <laughs> and getting to do like some of those great scenes for a whole year uh, with a really great friend is, is really special. Um, and unforgettable. And then anytime I re- might revisit those plays, it'll be... There's a lot of baggage, (laughs) you know, um, that is uh, just unforgettable sometimes. Yeah, I I think uh, same thing that it really has brought me um, close to a lot of people. I think also made me realize that there's, I don't have the words that Shakespeare has to express love and that that my, my love can't be expressed that way. Um, but I get to do it in, when I get to read those words or speak those words, and I think that's a beautiful thing. And you have to own it. I, I mean, one of the great things, I love trying out other playwrights, but I, my, most of my career has just been doing Shakespeare, which is lovely, and it's sometimes easier than the more contemporary plays because, by and large, the characters mean what they say and say what they mean. Mm-hmm. So you have to you have to be underneath and behind it um, for it to, to communicate. Um, and so, the, you, you, yeah, you end up learning a lot. Of, um, and having to say those words and committing to them to another person on yeah. that stage really create, is a quick catalyst for creating a bond, um, and, which is a really, really great gift. Yeah. Well, thank you both so much for being here today. Um, it's been wonderful to talk to you, and we're so excited to have the tour hit the road and um, go to all these communities around the West and, and share our, our production of Macbeth with them. Great, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah.
Thank you for listening to another episode of the Play On Podcast. Thanks again to Tim Seiler and Stephanie Resnick for talking with us. This show is a co-production of the Marketing and Education Departments at the Utah Shakespeare Festival. Thanks to Michael Barr and Tyler Morgan for their guidance and support. Our music was composed by Caitlin Limber. Keep up with the festival by following us on social media at Utah Shakespeare. You can also sign up for our mailing list on our website for our monthly eGlobe newsletter, and maybe even get some special deals on tickets for our upcoming season. You can find more episodes of this show on our website at bard.org slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.